Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I find that the world is divided into people who are lit up inside and excited. Maybe that's 25% of humanity and people who are sort of a little bit dead inside and not so excited about what they're doing. And that's probably 75% of humanity. Um, And so I started to think about how do we, as a millennial generation, create over the next 50 years, a, a world in which We don't have um, such disparity between the haves and the have-nots, but a world in which every human being can have access to basic human needs. Ryan Alice is the chairman of Hive. His purpose on this planet is to build a global community of leaders committed to creating a better world. He was previously a technology entrepreneur and was CEO and co-founder of iContact and led the company from 300 employees, 70,000 customers, and 50 million in annual sales. Ryan is an emeritus member of the UN Foundation, Global Entrepreneur Council, and served as National Co-Chairperson of Technology for Obama during the 2012 U.S. presidential election. Ryan enjoys helping leaders discover their purpose in life and traveling to the various Hive events around the world. He is half American and half British. He majored in economics at UNC Chapel Hill and holds an MBA from Harvard Business School, where he was co-president of the HBS Social Enterprise Club and a fellow of the Harvard Graduate School Leadership Institute. Hello, Ryan Alis, and welcome to uh, uh, People of Purpose podcast. Really excited to have you here today. I have my business partner, Philip Loudon, and then um, he knew you from Bali, and I'm really excited to get to know your story and kind of help People of Purpose really plug into what you're doing because you've done a lot of purpose-driven activity, whether it's in business and social entrepreneurship and now what you're doing with Heart Rhythm and Hive. I'm really excited to get to know you and your story. Thanks for being here today. I'm excited to be here with both of you. Cool. So um, I have my business partner, Phil, here because he's the one who originally met you out in Bali. You guys were connecting over some of the stuff you were putting together with Hive out there. So I guess I just wanted to give him a chance to kind of explain how you two got connected and why he, see, why he recruited you for being a guest today on the show. Um, yeah, so I met, I, I guess I met Ryan through um, a mutual friend of ours. I was in a period where I was uh, ending a former business and looking into opportunities for the future. And um, a thing that I was really interested in is learning about creating uh, communities of purpose-driven individuals. And uh, through that kind of quest, I was connected to, to Ryan, who was actively working on these types of projects. Yeah, and in that time, um, I was actually planning on interviewing Ryan myself. So I began to research a lot about the history of what you were creating, what you had created in your life. And it was just really, really impressive to see um, kind of your, your progression as a purpose-driven individual. And it was definitely very inspirational to see, to see your path and your journey and how you do your purpose projects in such an impactful way. And I think with uh, Tanner's podcast, People of Purpose, um, you just seem like the very appropriate guest to, to be on here. And I think there's a lot that you have to share, a lot that you probably learned along the way as well. I'm excited to be here with both of you. Uh, I think it's been about two years since we were together in Bali, Philip, and I'm, I'm now in Austin, Texas. So 
uh, not too far away from you all and in, in, I guess at least you in Kansas City. And so very excited to be here today and talk more about how to find your purpose and then how to create a life that's in alignment with your purpose. For sure. For sure. One thing that I noticed in researching you was how reflective you are in like in the written format. I think it's rare to find someone that is so busy with so many things that they're operating and maintaining and growing. You find time for these long form written reflections. I'm really curious about kind of how that has really shaped, like how, how has that stayed with you through your journey? How did that got, get created? And why do you still find this time to, to write these long form things? What does that do for you? I, I love writing. You know, writing for me is very therapeutic and very relaxing. Last weekend, I, I checked myself into a hotel here in Austin for just one night because I wanted to have 24 hours just to write. And uh, during that time, I, I wrote the 10-page the article uh, on, on LinkedIn about the process of creating purpose-driven leaders um, mm-hmm. and reflecting on how my time at Harvard Business School's MBA program and going through different personal growth programs like Landmark and Tony Robbins ended up leading me toward my own purpose, which is building organizations that train purpose-driven leaders uh, and uh, today, now leading Hive, co-leading Heart Rhythm as two organizations that are purpose-driven and making a difference in the world. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I really like what, how you, you create a synthesis of the things that you see are working really well. Um, and you also draw on your own experience and you put your unique touch to it. Um, Thank yeah, you. I, I think that's really neat to see. I guess I wanted to start off with your, your background. You wrote this long form thing on your hive site about your, your story and your journey. You didn't identify as a small town American boy. You identified as a citizen of this broader world with diverse cultures. Can you share some of like how your family really shaped your journey into purpose at a young age? Absolutely. My mom and dad met in 1978 in England. My dad is an American. He as a priest, a preacher, a minister in the Episcopalian uh, faith and my mom is a social worker from England, and they met, um, you know, 40 years ago now, and fell in love and had me. Uh, and so I grew up half British and half American. And I remember spending every other summer in England and spending time with my family there, and spending time exchanging houses in different parts of Europe. So we had a, a pretty middle class upbringing, you know, living on the salary of a, of a minister maybe making $33,000, $34,000 a year, but we were still able to travel. And I think that was probably one of the best possible impacts on me as a young person. And what it gave me was a sense of a multicultural identity, a sense that I'm a human first. And, you know, I'm, I'm number one, a, a soul, a kind, loving soul. Number two, I'm a, I'm a human being. Um, and number three, you know, I happen to have been born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, which makes me an American. And so those, those were the three layers of identity that um, were very helpful to me. Being that my dad was a priest and my mom was a social worker, um, it gave me a sense of wanting to use my life to help others uh, however I could. And in fast forward, you know, 35 years, my, my dad passed away in 2014 from leukemia. My mom passed away in 2012 from brain cancer. And those two events happening in my life between age 28 and 30 really um, was a shock to my system, but also what it led to was a silver lining 
of having an even deeper commitment in their memory to want to use the rest of my life to make a positive contribution to society, to humanity, to my community, to my family. Um, so that's a little bit about how I became who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that no matter how successful you were at, at like eye contact, for example, you constantly had this like this drive to go and create the solutions or be a part of creating the solutions for eradicating poverty, ending war, finding like environmental sustainability. Do you think that was just an innate thing you were, you were kind of born with or was that a product of kind of the culture um, and family um, that you were raised in? You know, I was raised in a Christian background. I would say half Christian, half Buddhist. My mother was more on the Buddhist side. Uh, my dad obviously was a Christian minister. And, and the thing that ties the Christian faith and the Buddhist faith together is a desire to make the world better, uh, a desire to reduce suffering, both personal suffering as well as the suffering of others. And when you look at what someone like Jesus of Nazareth did, you know, 2000 plus years ago now, you know, he lived with the model of compassion first. He lived with a very conscious state and was able to, to do a lot of good in the world because of that. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think what I reflected on um, was the question, the golden rule. How do you treat others like you'd want yourself to be treated? How do you live up to the platinum rule, which is treating others as they want to be treated? Yeah. which sometimes is different than how you would want to be treated and to really ask <laughs> yeah. questions about, you know, what, who they are and what their needs are. And then I started thinking about what are the, you know, this is 20 years ago now in the early 2000s, but what were the biggest challenges from having a beautiful society? What were the biggest challenges that prevented us from living in a world where every human being has access to education, healthcare, and the basic needs, you know, things like internet, running water. Um, and so I started studying global economic development. I majored in economics in college. Um, it part, a, lot, a large part of my MBA, I focused on taking classes around global economics. Um, and so I started to think about how do we, as a millennial generation, create over the next 50 years a world in which we don't have such disparity between the haves and the have-nots, but a world in which every human being can have access to basic human needs. So that became a, a deep passion of mine, especially between, say, 2005 and 2015. Yeah, 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 that's gorgeous. Um, I just got done reading about your kind of your first trips through Uganda, and there was a slum there that you said had a million people in that slum, and it kind of shifted your perspective on... Um, just giving to charity versus actually investing in like local entrepreneurs? Yeah. When I was 24 in 2008, my college roommate, Roe Rosenblith, took me to Uganda and Kenya. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, um, we went to two places that changed my life that were very memorable. First, we went to Gulu, Uganda in the north, which was a town that had been uh, ravaged from the Lord's Revolutionary Army. It was run by an individual named Joseph Coney, and it essentially abducted a lot of school children and put the, became part of his army. And so he would put these 10-year-old boys in, into his army. So I visited this town only a few years after this had all happened um, and started building relationships with some of the schools and clinics there. And part of what we did at Eye Contact, my tech company, 
iContact still around today as a, as a well-known email marketing software company. We had a corporate social responsibility program mm-hmm. where we gave 1% of our profits, uh, 1% of our revenues actually, away to charity each year. And so because of that, we were able to give away uh, quite a few hundred thousand dollars a year for many, many years. And we would allow our employees to vote on the nonprofits to give to. And so what often happened is people would say, hey, Ryan, what are some of the ones you like? And I would nominate a few of them. And so in the following summer, I'd go visit and I got to visit places like Gulu, Uganda and, and visit some of the schools that we were giving money to. And then the second trip that we did, we went to Nairobi, Kenya, which is very close to Uganda. And we went to Kibera, which is uh, one of the world's largest slums. The, the, the largest urban slums in the world are in Mumbai, Rio de Janeiro, and uh, Nairobi. And so we went to the Kibera slum in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, only a few years after there had been some election violence there. And th- this is a, a place about the size of Central Park in New York. So it's relatively small, but it has over a million people living there in relatively small, uh, you know, sort of tin hut type structures. And we got a chance to visit and get involved with financially supporting some of the local organizations that were providing entrepreneurship training and various basic needs for the people that live there. So those were two early experiences in my life. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful to hear. It must have been so amazing to get to be immersed in the place that you were actively investing in and then come back and like have even more, you know, passion and enthusiasm for what you were creating as a B Corp. Yeah, I particularly really liked hearing about the B Corp. This is only the second time I've I've heard about this concept, even it's it doesn't seem like it's this popular way of running a business, but you even did like a study on it, how it actually helps grow eye contact in different ways and increase some of the valuation. And you thought it involved like more employee engagement and things of that nature. Well, yeah, you know, we, we were at eye contact the 89th B Corp ever back in 2009. There's now over 4,900 B Corps that have been certified by the nonprofit B Labs to be socially and environmentally responsible. So we were in the first hundred ever, which was exciting. Uh, we were certainly one of the first tech companies to be a B Corp. And then since then, um, my company Hive is a benefit corp, which is uh, similar to a B Corp, but it's actually since 2014, there's been a, a legal designation in the state of Delaware where any corporation can become a benefit corporation and amend its charter at the beginning or later such that it can make stakeholder interests like the environment, uh, like reducing poverty, equal in its charter to shareholder interests. And so you're not just legally required to optimize short-term profits, but you can make a holistic decision to optimize long-term profits and long-term impact by being a benefit corporation. Yeah, that's beautiful. Love to hear that. So along your your first like 27 years, I guess, when you were kind of learning how to how the internet worked, learning your role in in that, like creating websites. I loved your first business at 11 years old, helping people set up AOL and sending pictures to their grandkids. It's really awesome to hear like how entrepreneurial you are and like in your core, such a young age. What do you think you've taken from that first like 27 years of your life into what you're focusing on now with Hive? Yeah. You know, I, I think I can break my life into three phases. The, the first 18 years growing up, mm-hmm. 18 to 27, building eye contact, and then 27 to 37, 
building hive and heart rhythm. I'm about to have my first son uh, in about six weeks, which will probably start the fourth major phase of my life. And so I would say from you know, 18, I was going to college at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I, I did two years of college and then I dropped out to build iContact as a software company. We grew from zero employees to 300 within nine years. Uh, we grew from zero to 50 million a year in sales. And we had a really great exit in 2012. We sold to a public company for $169 million. And so at 27, you know, I was, I was financially successful but there was something lacking on the inside. I was looking for a purpose that was bigger than myself. I was looking for that magical spark that I often found in, in the eyes of people that were working on their passion projects. And I loved software. I loved technology. And I was looking for a way to utilize my life to make a, a bigger difference and work in a field where I could work with people and technology. And so I ended up going to business school. I did two years at Harvard Business School, did my MBA there, which was a really meaningful opportunity and moment. Number one, to get into Harvard Business School without a college degree, I think is generally a hard thing to do. And I was very lucky that they accepted me, took my life experience building eye contact to be equivalent to the college degree. It was also a meaningful moment because it was the last three months of my mother's life. She passed away from a brain tumor just a couple, actually only about a week after I got into to Harvard and that I was able to tell her that and see a smile on her face, which was really beautiful. I went to the two years at HBS and then, uh, you know, of course, what I'm thinking about the whole time is how do I want to use my life to build something bigger than myself? What do I want to do next? And so... My co-founder, a good friend of mine from San Francisco, a woman named, by the name of Anima Sarah Lavoy, she and I were working on a tech startup in San Francisco together called connect.com at the time. And she said, Ryan, why don't you do this landmark program? And so I, I went to this personal growth workshop that opened up my eyes. And mm -hmm. what I decided to do after doing that program was I wanted to build a global community of purpose-driven leaders called hive.org. And so that's what I've been working on uh, since 2014. And now what we do uh, is help leaders create a plan for their life that incorporates a purpose statement and creates a life where they can love what they're doing and do something they're good at and do something the world needs and truly find a purpose that's bigger than themselves. So that, that, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but that's how I ended up going from North Carolina tech CEO to at the time, a California-based uh, purpose workshop leader. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we can dive into Hive stuff. I guess in general, what do you, how do you define purpose? What is purpose for you? Yeah, I mean, purpose is the reason for living. It's your dharma. It's your calling. It's your mission. It's your passion. It's, it's what gets you out of the bed excited each night. Mm -hmm. It's what keeps you up later than you should be working on something meaningful. Um, it's, it's what allows you to get into flow state, like what Makali mm -hmm. Mihai writes about, the ability to get into flow where time doesn't even exist in your consciousness anymore, and you just create. And so for people who are manifestors or manifesting generators, who are creators, builders, entrepreneurs, innovators, uh, anyone that likes to create things, it's possible to enter this flow state. It's look at the same thing with artists, with athletes, anybody that's doing what they love, where they can reach a high level of mastery of it. And so purpose is the energy that drives you forward toward creating and building something that matters in the world. 
Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful definition of, of purpose. Yeah, Ryan, I'm really curious. Uh, I know you're, you're an extremely high achieving individual. Like you started entrepreneurship when you're what, nine or 11 and you started eye contact when you're still a teenager. Right. And I know you've been working on Hive for the past, for the past eight years um, or more around eight, 10 years. And I'm just really curious about how that journey has been for you and what you've learned about um, helping people to actualize their purpose and and creating and creating situations where you can really help people to actualize and integrate their purpose. Because I know you guys have the one page to get people aligned with purpose. Then I'm just curious about your journey with learning how to assist and help people to increase the impact of their purpose and align with it. Yeah. So when, in, in 2014, we hosted the first Hive workshop in San Francisco. We had uh, recruited 34 friends from 12 different countries to fly in. And the original goal for Hive is to build a global community of purpose-driven leaders. Now, in order to be a purpose-driven leader, you really can be anybody. All you need to be a purpose-driven leader is a mission that's bigger than yourself. And that could be raising a family. That could be educating a school. That could be building a water treatment plant. Um, that could be building a tech company. That could be working in government. It can be any effort of contribution that makes a positive difference to a community, to a society, or globally. So everyone has this opportunity to become a purpose-driven leader. And yet I still see in the world, I, I don't have actual statistics. I just have a lot of anecdotal evidence. I would probably argue that the majority of Americans feel a lack of purpose in their work. And so what I do is I help people ensure that they're using their time on the planet, the, the very element that they're trading their life force for, to create something that matters to them and to create something that's inspiring and meaningful to others. And what I'll get at coming to Hive is a lot of people, uh, we have two different types of people. We've got people in their 20s and 30s that are just creating their first purpose statement, their first life plan. And then we have people often in their 50s and 60s who have been working for 20 plus years who are now ready to, they made maybe made some money and now they're ready to do purpose-driven work. And so they come to Hive to prepare for the next five to 10 years of their life. And that, that over the last eight years, we've graduated 3,500 people from our program and every single one of them has left with a framed one-page life plan. And at the very top of that life plan, they write out their purpose statement. And what I mean by a purpose statement, it's a 15-word or less sentence that describes what their purpose on earth is for the next few years of their life. Now, your purpose, on, your purpose is going to shift over the course of a lifetime. But at any given moment, you should be able to go up at a, at a cocktail party or a brunch or with friends and be able to say, hey, my name is Ryan and I'm right now, what I'm really passionate about, what I'm working on is this in a way that lights you up inside. And so mm -hmm. I find that the world is divided into people who are lit up inside and excited. And maybe that's 25% of humanity and people who are sort of a little bit dead inside and not so excited about what they're doing. And that's probably 75% of humanity. And so my goal is how can we get a hundred percent of humanity excited about living and excited about the work they're doing. So that's what we're working on with Hive. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Ryan Alice on finding purpose and building a global community of leaders. 
committed to making the world a better place. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Ryan talking about building purpose-driven companies and leaders, the importance of leadership in creating a clear vision and guiding people, plus so much more.